Hello, everybody, and welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby, and what you're about to hear is an interview that I conducted with Wyatt Cenac, a correspondent and writer of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart on Comedy Central. You all know what The Daily Show is. Wyatt is also a stand-up, and he's a very funny stand-up, so at the end of the interview, there's a minute and a half of his stand-up. It's a bit. It's about a year or two old. I'm not sure. It's kind of old on YouTube. Uh, Wyatt's very funny. You should go see him when you can. Without further ado, here's the interview. Brandon. Brandon Wyatt, nice, nice to meet you. You just performed a pitchfork. I did just perform a pitchfork. Was that weird? Do you usually do gigs like this? Um, not really that many open air gigs. That was that was kind of interesting. Do you have to cater your material to fit? No, I feel like it's more. Uh, you just kind of have to keep doing your material because it's tough to get a gauge and with everything just sort of travels up and out. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, oh, are they having fun? Well, they seem to be smiling. Maybe they're just high. There's a I'll lot take of, it. There's a lot of people here that don't usually see comedy shows. That's the other weird thing, yeah. I've never heard more 14-year-olds think they're funny than when you and Hannibal performed this, this afternoon. <laughs> it was really awful, and I really just wanted to show, shut the fuck up. You can't do that in an open-air setting. Why do you do stand-up? You don't need to do stand-up right now. You're a great stand-up. Oh, thank you. So why do you do it? Because uh, I enjoy doing it. I think it's fun to have an idea pop into your head, regardless of how silly and ridiculous it is, and then be able to like take it and put it in front of an audience of people, and it really, in some ways, is from a creative level, like, the most rewarding because it's outside of the, like, hands of anybody else. Like, it's your own thing. You get more instant gratification. Much more instant gratification. Uh, you know, the amount of ladies that are hanging around this port of john waiting to... Oh, yeah. The, For those listening, you're hearing John's closing and uh, whiffs of broken social scene right now. Yes, yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you know, I think probably at a festival like this, I would say, I I would say there are more people here for the comedy than for broken social scene. I'm, I'm here for the comedy, sadly. I'm one of the few. Uh, hi. Uh, sorry about that. Oh, no. You, you're on The Daily Show. Most people know you from The Daily Show. Do a lot of people know that you write for The Daily Show? Um... It's a mix. I think some people do. Like, the people who... The comedy nerds. The comedy nerds. The people who read the credits afterwards. How often do people read the Daily Show credits? Uh, People who can't reach their remote control. Fair enough. And fall asleep. Um, But, uh... It's a mix. I I find a lot of times people are like... if If they recognize me, they're like, Oh, man, you're that dude from that show. Which is nice. Which is nice, but then usually it's followed up with like Colbert, yeah man, I love that show and it's like, well actually I'm on the daily show, it's the one right before his. The more popular one. The, yeah, the one that he started at. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's a lot of that and then they're like, Oh man, yeah, so you do that thing and then it's like, Yeah, I'm a writer on the show too. Oh, oh, cool man. I don't think people are that impressed with it. When you're writing, do you know what you're writing for? Do you end up writing stand-up that becomes part of the Daily Show, or do you write stuff in the Daily Show that you wish you could turn into stand-up, but so many people have seen it, you can't use it? Um, no, they're pretty separate, I find. Like, Because a lot of times the stand-up things are just some stupid idea that popped in my head. But, but you had a bit tonight, um, 
one sense, yeah, because I think just the fact that, yeah, a cat video has over a million people watching it, and yeah, if you go and look at the videos that come out of the White House, I don't think they top 5,000. No, they don't. They're greatly produced. They're wonderful. They look amazing. Yeah, and it's it's it, it, there is something very weird about it where it's like this man for you know a year and a half, two years had captured the attention of the nation and it inspired so many people to go outside of their normal routine and get on buses and travel to other cities and campaign for him and wear t-shirts with his face and then the minute the election's over it's like nothing that's right and it's like nah bring me the fucking cat videos give me my cat videos like you seem to ride the good social political commentary in your stand-up it's not it's not heavy on either when you're writing for how did you start writing for the daily show did you consider yourself a political comedian at all does that help you no i mean i was i you know i think if i was anything it was more like social commentary yeah. like how does this affect like you know the whole as opposed to one political party um but i i mean i had a background in writing i'd written for king of the hill yeah. and so but you also were an actor you are an actor you've been in you've been in films yeah I, I mean that was more i think i i was always just a comedian and then i got that movie and i i think Whatever I did, I think I got lucky. And well, for the comedy nerds out there, they probably heard your Mark Maron podcast. You were not lucky. You lost your truck and then got the Daily Show. I I lost my truck. I got evicted. I that's the opposite of lucky. Well, it's lucky that I how it all turned out. It's it's pretty lucky. Yeah. But it was it 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 was right at the razor's edge there. Yeah. It, it was. It was very weird. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was remembering right before I got the show, I had uh, I had met this woman, and we started dating, and our first date, I had already been repoed. I just moved in with my friend because I, I had nowhere else to go. And this is New Yorker. This was in L.A., and I met this I met this girl, really cool girl, and we met at a party, and so then we were, like, going to go out on a date, and... I had to like borrow money from my friend Marsha and from my friend Laura and I like borrowed cash from both of them and then I go on this date and we're sitting at this restaurant and so far like the she's like oh I want to get a salad and I was just like oh I had budgeted for that and then she's like let's get wine and I was like ah, all right and then she uh she she wants to get like a, a bottle of wine. It was like, oh, jeez. And at this point, I have to come out and be like, hey, I don't have the cash for this. Like, I I like you, but we I will throw in what I can. And she was wonderful. It was like, oh, I I got the sense when I met you that you seemed a little broke. Did she know you were a comic? She knew I was a comedian, but I guess. I guess something must have happened in our first conversation where she must have recognized just how broke I was. I think maybe it was that my friend Ed was the person who was like, hey man, we got to go. And I was like, oh yeah, he drives me everywhere. And that 
must have been the clue to her that like, oh yeah, this guy, I, I should not expect this guy to uh, to pay for too much. That's nice that she still said yes. Yeah. That says a lot about her character. Yeah, that was really nice of her. And yeah, she uh, she was a wonderful, she was a wonderful lady. So for anybody who's in Los Angeles, uh, if they ever, if they ever meet Teresa Brown, she's a wonderful girl. And they... Person. Now that you don't have to worry about affording salads and bottles of wine, does that affect your comedy? Do you feel like you still have to go to a bunch of open mics and work, or is it different? Um, I still, I mean, it's it's still, you're still trying to just make a crowd laugh. So, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is I just want to go where there are people. So if it's, if it's an open mic but it gets people, then I'm happy to do it. Do you see yourself ever stopping Stopping doing stand-up? Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying you should. You should keep doing it. <laughs> you should keep doing it. Keep working on it. Because you're close. <laughs> you got a couple you're almost there. Yeah. Um, I haven't thought that far ahead. I I love I love being able to do it. I there are moments where it gets a little tiring, and I'll take like a week or two off. But then but you don't take a week or two off. You're still at your job. You know you can't really. Job, but from doing stand-up, yeah, I there are definitely weeks where it's like, okay, I'm gonna go to work, and as soon as I get off work, I'm gonna go home and go like ride my bike or watch all the shows I've missed. Um, but then doing stand-up in a lot of ways, it is like having a, another job where it's like, all right, I just worked until six or seven. Now I have to go do my other job and where I get paid in drink tickets. Yeah. And it's a totally different world. It is. It's a very different world where currency... One you have a Peabody and one you have like $8 million lights in a t-shirt Yeah. No, it's very strange. And it's very strange to go from here's a paycheck and here's two tickets that you can use to get any drinks you want as long as they're well drinks. <laughs> working. Uh, I'd like to try to shoot a stand-up uh, special this year, um, so I'm sort of aiming to try to do that. Um, you know, if there's a movie or something that comes along, uh, hopefully I can do that. Keep doing stand-up as much as I can, and uh, keep doing the Daily Show. One last question. Who are some stand-ups that you One of my favorite stand-ups is Jen Kirkman. I think she's great. She's one of the funniest people I know. And then in L.A., there's a lot of really funny people in L.A. There's Jen, there's Michelle Balloon and Laura Swisher, both really funny stand-ups. And Kyle Kinane is awesome. Chicago guy. Yeah, Chicago guy. Uh, Joe Mandy and Noah Garfinkel are two really funny guys in New York who do a show called Totally JK. That's they're they're really funny and uh, where's Totally JK? It's at the Bright Scissors Brigade okay. in New York or LA? In New York. New York UCB JK. Totally JK. Yeah. Whiplash is another really good show in New York worth checking out. That Leo Allen hosts and he's really funny. Um, I just did a show. I just did Leo's show. Uh, 
and that was like a really fun show. It was Joe DeRosa, who's great, and Mike Kaplan, and uh, Katie Crown, who's from Canada. Um, there's so many, Jasper Red, Nick Adams. I like about these comedians, you specifically, and all the other comedians I don't do, there's no weird animosity like there is in music. There's no, like, they stole my girlfriend or whatever. It's, it's so much nicer. I love you people so much more than all the other things we're hearing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. People know Daily Show. They'll check you out. CME's very funny. That's all. Thanks for doing this, man. No, thank you for having me. But that's black people's word. That's our word. We own it. We say nigger and everyone else has to say N-word because they do. Because apparently we own it. We have the title and the deed on that one. Which, I don't know who did that deal for us. But I'm just going to say right now, we kind of got boned. Um, because for a long time, like, black people talked about, like, they wanted slavery reparations and we should get, like, 40 acres and a mule. How did we walk into the negotiation wanting 40 acres and a mule and walk out with a word? Like, we didn't even get the mule. We just got a word. Which, you cannot plant shit on a word. Like, I would happily take two acres and a sentence. <laughs> Like, I'd take two acres and darky go home, because I could. I could go home to my sprawling two-acre ranch. But that's our word. We own it. We, we say nigger, and everyone else says N-word. I gotta say, I feel sorry for every other word that starts with N that at some point thought it was the N-word. Words like nickel or nasal, or ninja. Because I'm sure at some point they all thought they were the N-word. They thought they were the word that starts with N, that when you said N-word, somebody was like, what? Oh, no, Trichelle. I know. Oh, no. Hold my earrings. I know he did not just call me a ninja. No. Mm -mm. No, I will show him a ninja. Mm -mm. No. He brought the ninja out of me. Mm. Follow us on Twitter at YMTE. Friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash YouMeThemEverybody. And for details on Monday and Tuesday nights at The Hungry Brain, go to YouMeThemEverybody.com.